Welcome to Jet Centra, folks. Uh, the Winnipeg Free Press podcast about the Jets, other sports, and etc. I'm your host, sports editor Steve Lyons, and I'm joined as usual by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Mike, it's episode 38. Today we're going to talk about uh, the World Series, which wrapped up last night. Uh, a little bit about uh, this uh, proposed all-Canadian division in the NHL and what that might look like if and when and uh, the, the league gets going again. Uh, closer to home, some minor hockey is really wrapping, wrapping up this weekend. And um, a couple other things. And uh, we'll close out with uh, our, our usual weekly talk about sugar. Here's <laughs> the spirit of Halloween, um, we're going to chat about chocolate bars. Nice. I'm excited about that. Mike, good idea. So this, uh, which, which will make one of our listeners very happy, Steve. I think he copied both of us on the email last week. I laughed out loud where he referred to this podcast as a food cast. Uh, yeah. and he was weighing in on our, on our dis, uh, dissection of pies and various desserts. And he actually referred to this as a food cast, which I hadn't really thought of this as, but I suppose we've morphed into that a little bit during the pandemic here. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, we've talked about uh, food. I, I, listen, I could talk about food, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, frankly, um, that would, uh, so I, I wrote a playbook for those of you who are listening, um, I do what's called uh, a daily newsletter. It's a I do I do a na- daily newsletter called Playbook. Uh, you can subscribe to that at the Free Press website. By the way, Mike McIntyre also does a newsletter. It comes out once a week. I think it'll be coming out today. As a matter of fact, Mike, it does. Yeah, every Wednesday afternoon. You can also subscribe to that on the uh, Free Press website. I have no idea what I was talking about now. Something I think you were talking about desserts and and sugar. Yeah. I, I was, and I was going to tell you a funny story about something somebody said in a playbook, but I've completely forgotten now. <laughs> well, that's because you got the World Series on your mind, Steve. Good, good, good segue there, yes. Yeah, so the World Series wrapped up last night, Tuesday night. Um, the Dodgers, the LA Dodgers, won the World Series in uh, six games, uh, defeating the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, two... Very controversial, <laughs> noteworthy happenings uh, during the game. Um, first of all, I'm going to say right now, a few weeks ago, I said on this podcast that Blake Snell was overrated. This was as the Tampa Bay Rays were uh, about to play the Jays in the play-in series. And I said that Snell was overrated, that he had one good season, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, I was wrong. Um, last night, I was watching Blake Snell pitch uh, a game for the ages, really. Mike, he was through five innings, struck out nine, had given up one hit, no walks, 70 pitches or something like that. He was dominating the game. Uh, the opening of the sixth inning, Cap is ahead by one, one nothing, gives up a leadoff single. And out from the dugout comes Tampa Bay manager Kevin Cash and yanks Blake Snell in favor of some Nick Anderson guy who um, was good at one point in time, I guess. He gave up a double to Mookie Betts, and the Dodgers scored two runs to take the lead. And, uh, well, there you had it. That was pretty much 
a smooth move, Kevin Cash. What do you think of that one, Mike? I didn't think much of it at all. And in fact, uh, Steve, you texted me <laughs> when the move happened. Yeah. And I, la- I laughed out loud where you said, because uh, you had sort of been on the fence about who you were rooting for. You sort of admitted you don't really have a rooting interest between these two teams. I think you were judging based on whose beards you like better. And you, you like the Dodgers beards a little bit better. They yeah, way better. The, the Rays, but they can't grow beards, I guess. Uh, that but you has got a good beard. That that's Mark, right. Yeah. But you said when, as soon as Kevin Cash pulled Blake Snell, you texted me and said, "Now I really hope the Rays lose." Uh, and and that ended up being very astute. Uh, I had another uh, buddy who texted me and said, "This is before Betts even stepped to the plate." He said, "This is." guaranteed this is going to blow up on Kevin Cash, and it did. And I I guess, Steve, what's so frustrating about a decision like this, first of all, it's not surprising if you've been following the Tampa Bay Rays. They are are a team more than any other team in baseball, and maybe in all of professional sports, that relies on spreadsheets and computers, you know, the, the metrics, the analytics, like they are so heavy into that. And so, well, Kevin Cash takes the blame last night. Uh, that was like a computer that probably told him to pull Blake Snell because they, they probably had an algorithm that said this is, the, this is the best move to make, completely ignoring the human element of, of live sport and the eye test, which would have told you, as you said, Steve, Snell was having a game for the ages. Uh, and they bring in a guy, I, I don't imagine the computer would have suggested they bring in Nick Anderson, who had, in his last six appearances, had been scored on every single one of them. Um, so whatever he had accomplished earlier in the year, he was trending in the wrong direction. And, uh, of course, they're, they're going to get second-guessed. I mean... If Snell stays in, maybe he gets out of that inning. He'd only given up, like you said, the the single. And maybe we're talking about a Game 7 tonight. Although, and I I suspect this is going to lead into the second controversial thing you're going to talk about. Uh, I'm fascinated to know if we would have even had a Game 7 tonight, given something that happened both during and right after the game. Yeah, so for those folks who don't know, Justin Turner, the third baseman of the L.A. Dodgers, was uh, also yanked from the game for different reasons. <laughs> he was taken out in the eighth inning um, because of a positive COVID test. Now, um, uh, now, later, after the Dodgers won the World Series, uh, Jeff Turner uh, ignored, let's call it that, the... Uh, security personnel of the Major League Baseball and of the L.A. Dodgers and several other team personnel and decided that he wanted to go back onto the field and celebrate with his teammates, which he did. Um, He had a mask on sometimes, except when he was kissing his wife, except when he was um, taking the celebratory picture with his teammates and sitting right beside the trophy. Um, I don't know. Like this is a, this is a really really. Max Friedman, the president of the Dodgers, was uh, saying the optics of this weren't very good. 
I'm not so sure. I, I, I don't know why everybody's always worried about the optics. So what about the actual right. fact of what he did? I mean, you know, like he potentially uh, caused even more people to get infected. I mean, hypothetically, he, you know, he's been with the team in the bubble, and so he's a he's got a positive test, and he he's already infected people, right? So, like, what's the big deal that he goes out and celebrates with his teammates? They've all showered with him already anyways, right? You know? Right. But, but, I mean, oh, man, just... Well, dude. on that on that point, Steve, I mean, it wasn't just his teammates at that point. There was some media on the field. There was also ballpark personnel. There was family members, including... I believe the pregnant wife of of another yeah. player that presumably Justin Turner had not been showering with. At least I hope he wasn't. Um, his manager Dave Roberts, I believe, is a cancer survivor who yeah. pre- presumably has a bit of a compromised immune system. Kenley Jansen, the closer for the Dodgers, although he wasn't called upon last night, he'd had kind of a rocky playoffs. Uh, I believe he has a heart condition. Um, so it is beyond reckless. And in a way, it's kind of the the snapshot, I think, of why, you know, communities, not just in the U.S., including right here in our own backyard in Winnipeg, like if that doesn't illustrate why it's so hard to keep this pandemic under control, because people have that kind of attitude, right? Like, Oh, what's the big deal? Um, you know, it's worth the risk or whatever. My favorite line I saw on, on social media last night, Steve, was somebody you mentioned Turner got pulled in the eighth inning. Somebody said, "Wait, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. The guy with COVID lasted longer than the guy pitching a shutout in the game last night," which was a really interesting way to put it. Uh, in that. Justin Turner was in the game longer than Blake Snell was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so what does baseball do now? Like, do they do they levy a fine? Um, I mean, I want to know how many other people are going to be infected. That's why I ask. It would have been fascinating. Let's say Tampa had won that game. Would Game 7 have been played tonight with a positive test? Most times when they're uh, during the regular season. When there was a positive test, they immediately postponed the games. Right. So, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, <laughs> you know, they pushed through the finish line here and they got to the end. And so, yeah, it's just, I, I don't, it, it's going to be interesting to see how many people test positive or don't. And so then that will, of course, support one side's argument or the other side's argument. Right. I mean, it's like, well, you know, if, if, if not a lot of people get it, then it's going to be like, well, see, we're making too big of a deal out of it. And then if, and if a bunch of people get it, well, that's just going to be tragic. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I guess, you know, when you've got a, and I don't like to be overly political on this, but when you've got a president running around doing this kind of thing, yeah. you know, I guess it shouldn't surprise us that a baseball player would do this, right? Do you know I mean, like, you know. I'll wrap up on this note. Uh Kevin Cash might want to send Justin Turner a thank you card because if nothing else, Steve, uh, Justin Turner's sort of post-game antics kind of overshadowed uh, Kevin Cash's in-game antics, in-game decision, and that's what most people are now talking about. Um, just a, a, a puzzling 
uh, head scratching situation all around. All right, folks, we're back for the second period of our uh, Jet Cetra podcast, and this time we're, we'll talk about the Jets, Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so this, do we reverse the letters this week? Is this the set, the set Jetra podcast now? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's it's uh, there's not a lot of Jets going on, frankly, but um, there is chat, um, and it looks like this is probably going to happen um, because I do not see the U.S.-Canada border opening anytime soon. I sure hope not. Anyways, frankly, you know, I, if, if, if somebody can get Trump to build a wall on that border, <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, again, <laughs> so there's talk that um, to when the NHL season does get underway, and we still don't know when that might be, that there would be an all-Canadian division and that the, uh, uh, of course, which the Jets would be part of. Uh, you did a, a, a feature on this in our Saturday paper last week about um, how all the other teams have done over the off-season. And, you know, if I, if I look at just, you know, with the eye test, I haven't got any of Kevin Cash's analytics put in front of me, but judging by what's gone on in the off-season, the Jets would be really in top in the Canadian division. I mean, Montreal is significantly improved. Toronto is significantly improved. Vancouver, you'll yep. feel, has improved. Uh, Calgary improved just by adding a, a decent goalie. Edmonton, you got to figure, is going to have a bit of a, a rebound season or you know, at least be a, a strong team as well next year. And even Ottawa you know, has, has, has significantly improved, and I do not think they'll be the basement cellar dweller that they have in the last couple of years right. um it, it'd be tough for the jets it would be i had them so i i did my sort of power rankings within that that uh, feature on saturday and i had the jets fifth out of seven um but it's just below them i had uh, i had calgary just below them and the only reason i had calgary but i do like the jacob markstrom pickup i don't like calgary's blue line they've lost most of their defense from last year, like almost right. every full-time defenseman, right. uh, inc- including um, uh, TJ Brody, who went to Toronto. Right. They got Chris Tanev from Vancouver, but I mean, I think Chris Tanev's best years are long behind him. So I don't know about their blue line. Uh, Jacob Markstrom might have to steal them some games. Kind of sounds like another hockey team we know, right? Uh, questionable blue line and a really good goalie, but so, I mean, I, I kind of had them right there with the Jets, uh, but but I put them just below. And then Ottawa, but as you say, Ottawa is vastly improved. If Matt Murray, uh, who has won a Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins, if Matt Murray can kind of play like, like the old Matt Murray did, not the one of last year in Pittsburgh, Ottawa could really surprise. I mean, they, they got two really good young prospects with the third and fifth overall draft picks. Uh, like you said, Steve, I mean, Toronto, I, I really like the, the Brody pickup. He replaces Tyson Berry, who was terrible last year uh, for Toronto. And Berry goes to Edmonton. Uh, and who knows, what he? maybe he can revive his career playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl on the power play. And, yeah, I mean, the, the Jets would absolutely be in tough. The only substantial move they've made, of course, is reacquiring Paul Stasny and we don't know if we're getting the Paul Stasny of 2018 or a much different version of him. Time will tell. 
but the blue line to me is just still the really big question mark. The Jets, I mean, other than replacing Dmitry Kulikov, who was in the top four, other than replacing him with Derek Forbert or maybe Dylan Sandberg, a rookie, like it's the same blue line that wasn't good enough last year. Uh, and so they're kind of banking on a lot of guys being better than they were last year, I guess. And guys like Sandberg and maybe Billy Hanela, you know, taking on a big role. But that's a lot of of hopes and, and dreams, if you will, on a team that's going to be spending right to the cap ceiling and has the best goalie in the, in the NHL in net. Like, uh, the blue line to me is still... Now, lots could change, of course. Patrick Liney's name's still out there. Jack Rosovic's name's out there. Sammy Niku, his name's out there too. So what we see now versus what we get whenever the season starts, which they're still targeting January 1, I don't really see it, Steve. I don't know about you. Uh, we're getting awfully late here. I mean, it's November as of Sunday uh, to still be talking about a January 1st start date. Yeah, I guess it's a couple of months away. Um, I, I, I don't, there's not, yeah, there's not any dates set in stone. I think they're still waiting to see, you know, how they're, how they're going to play. I think that's the big thing is like, yeah, it's going to be a bubble situation. Is there going to be these micro bubbles or is it going to be like baseball did um, where they travel from city to city? And so, um, is there going to be fans in the stands? You know, I, I, I'm fascinated by the idea of fans in the stands. Like, watching the World Series, we did see fans in the stands, like 11,000 of them, right? Right. And so there and are, there has to be plans going on behind the scenes right now, I would imagine. we don't. I don't know this for sure, but I would be shocked if True North didn't have a plan A, B, C, and D in place um, to have fans in Bell MTS place this winter. Um, right. We've heard of like there are, there are fans. There are fans going to the Manitoba Junior Hockey League games. Yep. And yep. Hypothetically, there's going to be fans at the ice games of the Western Hockey League at some point. So. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to depend on how many fans they have in it. I can't. I, I I foresee them playing in that rink, don't you? I do. I really do because I I see no circumstance where we get a bubble again. Um, now maybe it's more of a hub than a bubble where you sort of centralize and you come in and out. Uh, and if if we're talking about an all Canadian division, I think you could play in your home ranks because by and large. Like, Bill Foley, the Vegas owner, talked about just a 48 or 56-game season. If you're only playing 48 or 56 games, Steve, you're going to be playing most of those games in your division. Um, For a recent example, look back at what the 2012-13 season looked like. Local hockey fans will remember that was the second year of the Jets' return to Winnipeg, and we were already into a lockout scenario. The league didn't start up I believe it was at some point in January that year and they played a 48 game season that's when the Jets were still in the southeast division uh, and they played most of their games against those same teams right a lot of Washington and Tampa and Florida Carolina uh, it was a weird division of course that the Jets were in at that time uh, so I think we would see something similar and if you're talking about just Canadian teams kind of all playing each other a lot 
I don't know that there would be the same concerns with, you know, Winnipeg flying to Calgary and then to Toronto and vice versa. Uh, as long as everybody's kind of staying north of the border and the U.S. teams are kind of staying on their own south of the border, I think that could work. And I'm also fascinated by the idea of fans. I think we would see, Steve, as early as this, as January, if that's when the season starts, that there would be some U.S. markets today that would be prepared to let at least a, 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 a small number of fans. Um, and I think if you're the NHL, you would take, you know, some are better than none, right? Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that there... There is not plans in place to have some fans, and, and and we don't know how many here, but, I mean, you know, a couple of thousand. But you're right, like, even a couple of thousand fans would be better than that. Sure. Um, and, you know, we, we saw in the World Series, like, a small group of fans, they can still make some noise. I assume they were still piping in some noise as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, anything to get the revenues back up and running for a league that makes 50% of its revenue off ticket sales uh, you know that the NHL is going to try and find any way possible and as quickly as possible to get fans back in the seats. All right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Cetra podcast. This is the Cetra part, although we did have a Cetra at the beginning. So um, it's Cetra 2.0. Right. So call it that's the- it's the etc etc yes the etc etc yes okay yeah fine so um i believe jerry seinfeld would call this the yada 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 part right that the whole thing is yada yada yeah i don't remember what i was going to say about that playbook thing (laughs) maybe by next week it was something to do with food as soon as as this thing ends i'll remember right (laughs) so um minor hockey in winnipeg mike is ramping up this weekend Minor hockey is being played. Um, AAA hockey is uh, has been going. We had a story in the paper today. Mike Swatsky had a story about how AAA hockey is navigating the pandemic. The Manitoba Junior Hockey League is playing. The Manitoba Major Junior Hockey League is playing. Uh, heck, rec hockey is playing. Uh, there's a lot of hockey being played. Um, we're, you're going to do a story for us uh, in this Saturday's paper about the challenges that uh, that are involved in continuing to have these uh, hockey leagues um, uh, play. Um, I'm starting to wonder, though, Mike, I'm really starting to wonder with the numbers that are going on in Winnipeg, COVID numbers we're talking about here, is it really necessary to be playing hockey right now? Well, if you ask my 19-year-old son, uh, who's playing junior B hockey here in Winnipeg, he would say it is because he lives for his couple games a week, couple practices that he's juggling along with school and, and work. I mean, I'm sure the kids feel like it's necessary and probably a lot of the hockey parents do as well. Um, but you're right, in the big picture, uh, I, I guess the one thing, though, Steve, that I wonder is, like, we haven't heard, we've certainly heard about spread that's happening of covid within schools certainly bars and restaurants uh personal care homes hospitals now like you know there's been a lot of spread going on here in the community one thing we haven't heard like dr rusin talked about and i don't know that that this means it isn't happening but i haven't heard him come out and say that we've got a bunch of cases linked to hockey games 
And I haven't heard them say the same thing about gyms, right? Which largely remain open, albeit under restrictions. I was at my gym yesterday. I actually had to stand in line for about 15 minutes before I could get in because they, they capped the number. Yesterday was one of the first days where there was a, there was already a, a too many people or there to, to what they're allowed. Um, so I, I do wonder if they're going to just keep it going here until there becomes some evidence of spread. But some would say, well, why don't you get ahead of it, especially you know, young people, we're seeing a real spike in COVID cases among teenagers, young adults. Like These are a lot of the people playing hockey, right? So I do wonder if we're kind of on borrowed time here, especially if our numbers continue to be as grim as they are. Uh, I know the I was talking to an employee at my gym yesterday, and he's kind of expecting the worst. He thinks that it's a matter of days before they're told that they can't be open at all here for at least a while. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be I, I, my advice to all hockey parents and players out there is, I guess, savor, savor whatever you get this winter starting, you know, now because uh, it might be short lived. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't I, exactly. I think that there's no Dr. Rusin hasn't been saying that there's there's, you know, a problem in sports or a problem at gyms. He hasn't said that there's a problem at restaurants or a problem at the mall or a problem at the superstore. I don't think they're you know, identifying it like that. But I wouldn't it just make sense, though, that I mean, hypothetically, we don't know this for a fact, and we don't know that it not to be a fact, but hypothetically that if kids are playing hockey and then, or parents are, or guys are playing beer league hockey, that that's not the reason that these kids are having COVID in schools, because right. there's no evidence that there's COVID transmission within the schools, that these kids are getting it from their peers, right? You're right. Right? And so these kids at the schools are have covid but where are they getting it they're getting it from their parents right isn't that right mike yeah they are for sure and or you know it, it by playing other sports and um, just being in the community where covid is is so present for sure i mean in some ways steve i would suggest the province is sending mixed messages here by allowing yeah. things like rec sports to be held i've got a very disappointed 16 year old daughter who loves choir at her school she's part of a, a select group and she was going in uh three days a week uh, an hour before school starts for choir rehearsal there's only like eight of them they all social distance but they just found out last week they can't have choir anymore for the next you know for who knows how long that's one of the things under the new restrictions that's been scaled back so i mean it's hard to say to my daughter well you can't go safely do choir but your brother can go play hockey that makes which, no sense at all right there's way more physical contact i mean he just had a game last night i was at billy mozienko rink there was about 100 spectators there i counted um everybody wore masks but there was a lot of contact during the game uh and that's okay right now and the choir at school isn't so it, it is confusing for sure and that's why i, I just suspect that if we do get another uh, wave of restrictions coming, I gotta think things like uh, youth sports and gyms are probably next on the chopping block, and it kind of feels like we're on the, you know, the precipice of, of that happening. 
Uh, that being said, uh, and I'm going to have a feature in this Saturday's paper, Steve, where I'm kind of looking at like what's all going into keeping hockey running right now in the city. I'm talking to a lot of the, you know, the worker bees, if you will, the people that are being forced to do all kinds of extra things like mask enforcement and, and, you know, monitoring of how many people are entering a rank and, and making sure there's social distancing being enforced because it's a whole new uh, playing field out there that people are still trying to get used to. Okay, folks, we're back for the overtime period of our Jet Center podcast. Uh, Mike, um, Saturday is Halloween. So yes. One thing before we get to our chocolate bar stuff, <laughs> are you handing out candy at Halloween? We are not. Uh, we, we've decided. Yeah, we, yeah, we always do. Um, I mean, our kids now, 1916, they're a few years both removed from actually going out trick-or-treating, at least with us. Um, <laughs> but we did still continue to hand out candy. We live in a neighborhood with lots of kids. Usually, we always keep track. Like, I'd say in a good year, we would get 130 kids. Like, usually it's between maybe 80 and 130. Um, I have no idea what the numbers would be like this Saturday if we were to to stay open. I see the forecast isn't so great. I think they're calling now for periods of snow, which maybe is a good thing. Um, but I do know a lot of people who say they are still going to kind of either take their kids out or still hand out candy. Uh, we will not, though. Uh, so the province, uh, I know the province has something on their website. They're encouraging people not to do it, really. Right. Um, there's no ban yet. Um, I guess we'll see how the week progresses here. So in the spirit of this, if you were handing out chocolate bars or if you were getting chocolate bars, we're going to talk about our favorite mini chocolate bars, or is this just chocolate bars in general? Do they have? Well, I think we can boil it down to mini, but really aren't all mini chocolate bars just smaller versions of exact? So we could just make it about chocolate bars in general. I would think any, your favorite any chocolate bar worth its stock would also come in mini form, right? I, you know, I have no idea. To <laughs> me, um, those mini ones just don't cut it for me if I'm going to have a chocolate bar. I like that when they came out with the jumbo chocolate bars. Yeah. Talking, right? Well, and those were always, I don't know about you, I mean, I remember when I trick-or-treated as a kid, like, word would get around, this is way before social media and everything, but the word on the street would get around of which were the houses, usually it's the people with a lot of money, uh, which which people were giving out like the good stuff and yeah. you would make sure. And that usually the good stuff meant like a big full size chocolate bar and not that not. So you'd make, you'd go out of your way to go to those houses. We okay. were never the, we were never the rich family giving out the big bars. You could only have one chocolate bar, Mike. What would it be? It would absolutely be Reese peanut butter cups. Is that even a bar? It's a cup, but wow. it's, yeah, I mean, I, so as as a dad taking my kids out when they were younger, like yeah. I would, I, I shouldn't admit this, but I would root through their bags to find the Reese peanut butter cups and then try and and if I could steal a few of them, like from myself before they really noticed. And I would say a Kit Kat is a close second in my eyes. How about you? Yeah, I, I wouldn't go. Neither of those two are high <laughs> on my list. And then, yeah, so. Number one probably would be a Three Musketeers bar, um, and eh. secondly, a score. Oh, oh no, <laughs> definitely a score bar. Yeah, and then 
Uh, a Wonder Bar. Oh, yes. Right up there. When I was a kid, I really liked the Crunchy. Do you remember the Crunchy? The Sponge Toppy? Yep. I really liked that. And I also really liked the Big Turk. So those so, are... It, and uh, a bit of a spoiler alert for those who get my newsletter, which goes up this afternoon. I actually ranked my top five, and I had Reese Peanut Butter Cups as one. Um, and I said Kit Kat, but I actually had Wonder Bar as number two. Did you know, Steve, that it's only called Wonder Bar here in Canada? In the U.S., they don't call it Wonder Bar. They call it Star Bar. It's the exact same chocolate bar. But um, Is it because they don't like Wonder Bar or something? I don't know. Well, it is actually, the research I found said that in Canada and Germany... Yes, okay. it's a it's a Cadbury product, but I guess it's got like some German roots to it. I don't know, uh, but a Wonder Bar is is truly wonderful. Uh, I had my top five, by the way, which included Kit Kat, Wonder Bar, Reese Cups. My other two were Arrow. I love the Arrow, and like like the, like the yeah, Arrow, like an Arrow bar, yeah, like just yeah, the light like fluffy. The, do you like the mint Arrow? I do. I okay. do, but uh, I mean, the original is, is the best. And this one is just, it's it's known as the Great American Chocolate Bar. You know, just the plain old Hershey, like just the Hershey Chocolate Bar. Yeah, that's a waste of time. I eat chocolate still, but I'm really fussy about my chocolate now. I tend to eat dark chocolate, and, and there's some chocolate bars that I buy at Superstore that have ginger in them. They're really, really good. Little oh, really? Crystallized pieces of ginger in a dark chocolate bar. And then I usually have one in my office here. And if I, if I, if I want to have a piece in the afternoon, um, I break off a piece or whatever. Um, I haven't had like a candy bar, let's call it that, yeah. um, in a while. I'm starting to think I might have to have one this weekend, though. Um, although I do, as I said, like candy bars in a blizzard. <laughs> so you must love the score blizzard then since Absolutely. score was one of, yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah. um by the you way like my the honor- no i don't like score bar at all actually uh my my honorable mention this almost made my top five uh the, just a caramel who, who doesn't like do you like caramel you gotta yeah, like caramel i like caramel so yeah i like anything with caramel score has a caramel in it and uh, caramel. Um, what else has caramel in it? I don't know. You know, I started to look up chocolate. There's a lot of different chocolate bars. There really are. Yeah. What kind of Snickers or O Henry or uh, Mr. Uh, Big? Yeah. No, those don't really do it. I mean, I, I guess either. Snickers maybe in a pinch, but uh, I do like their commercials though. That you're not you when you're you're hangry or whatever. You need a Snickers. Um, the the no go for me though. Like, I like most chocolate, but do not mix, like, fruit with... I don't like orange chocolate. Like, oh. I hate... Oh, I hate that. It is disgusting when you try and combine, like, a fruit and a chocolate. Just no. What about uh, a, uh, a cherry blossom? Nope. Not at all. No, thank yeah. you. Um, but I do like, like, I do like the mint chocolate. You know what else? This isn't a chocolate bar, but my goodness, if I'm at a house... And usually over Christmas, when you visit under normal circumstance, I love the after eight mints. I think they actually make a chocolate bar, like an after eight chocolate bar. But after eight mints are just delicious. And I do not wait until after eight to eat them. I will eat them any hour of the day. I think I, I might still have a couple. I was out at Ray and Jerry's for my birthday 
my buddy Ian took me there, and uh, we had a we pigged out terribly. And then after dinner, we had dessert. This amazing bread pudding that they have at Ray Jerry's. Um, we split one. Um, they brought put it put it in separate bowls. By the way, yes. So I was just absolutely stuffed from this bread pudding. And then, of course, they bring an after eight with the bread. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a small little so, one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll pass on that. Yeah, so. <laughs> Anyways, we should wrap that up. Our time is up for today again, Mike. Um, a very interesting uh, uh, developments in sports over the last few years. See what happens with the, the Dodgers and, and Justin Turner and all that. And, um, and how uh, hockey plays out here in the next little while. So we'll come back and talk to everybody again about all that next week. All right. Enjoy. Happy Halloween, folks. Stay safe.